This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. And it is Entrepreneur Friday. We'll talk with a woman who wants to help you get organized. Right now, though, the Federal Reserve's preferred measure of inflation is out, and we're hearing from the Secretary of the Treasury today. Let's get some insight from David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors, based in Denver. He's author of the book, Understanding Central Banking. David, before we get into what Yellen is saying, let's talk about what's going on with inflation here. It looks like a 30-year high in inflation, at least according to this measure. That's exactly the point to make, Cisco. It's a clear evidence that inflation is high and maybe even going higher. The thing to watch closely was just mentioned a minute ago, and that's labor costs. Uh, People have decided to stay home, um, and uh, since government unemployment compensation payments were so high, they can wait it out and they say to their employer look if you want me back at work you got to pay me for it and uh, that means wages are headed substantially higher uh, our fed chairman in his latest comments chairman powell said it's time to taper risk tilt to supply bottlenecks and higher inflation um, what we all have to watch for closely is evidence of wages going up forcing companies to raise prices, and that's exactly the kind of wage price spiral we're in right now. Let's talk about the, uh, the you know, you, we touched on this already, but sort of we, we were told this would be transitory. You know, we were told, oh, it was six months, nine months, maybe a year. But it, it sounds like you're saying a lot of what is, is going into inflation is going to be baked into this economy, and it's not going anywhere. That's exactly what I'm saying, Um uh, it may be that our Fed chairman did say he expected inflation to be temporary or transitory, but in fact, it's not the case at all. And I think even the Fed chairman is changing his mind. I think in the next meeting and policy meeting on November 2nd and 3rd, we're going to get the so-called tapered decision. That means the Fed, which is right now buying huge amounts of securities, $120 billion per month, uh, we'll start to taper that total, probably starting in November and continuing out through June of next year. Um, That would mean uh, by the middle of next year, the Fed will finally stop buying those securities and pumping liquidity into the economy. And then we'll have to watch for a Fed rate hike after that. Um, So the Fed's going to be giving us less accommodation um, at a time when inflation is clearly going higher. I think the Fed chairman has to change his view on how 
permanent inflation might be. Briefly, you have uh, Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, saying that a, a big spending bill could actually be anti-inflationary. Help us understand that, and is it true? It's not true, and uh, I have a decent respect for former Fed Chair Janet Yellen, but there's always a problem, Cisco, when public servants start to emphasize politics over their economic judgment. Um, I can't believe that she would make the economic judgment that higher spending by the government at this moment would lead to lower inflation. There's not a chance that's going to happen. Uh, higher government spending, particularly at a time when the Fed has still been pumping money into the economy, means higher inflation, and particularly if wage costs are going up. Thanks so much, David Jones. He is chairman of DMJ Advisors. Amazon issuing disappointing guidance for the fourth quarter, citing supply chain issues and also labor shortages. It could open the door for brick-and-mortar retailers. Let's get some perspective from Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors, formerly vice chairman at Target and chairman and CEO of Toys R Us. Uh, Jerry, I mean, if Amazon can't figure out how to get around supply chain issues, does that mean anyone can figure out how to get around this well look i think we have to put all of this in perspective let's turn to amazon first uh you know they grew astronomically during COVID last year so what we're seeing here is that they can't quite have spectacular comps on top of spectacular comps so they're still up 50 to 60 percent on a two-year basis and this is a business that for example next quarter will do well over 100 billion dollars in sales so their growth is quite high and people talk about slowing down but they're forgetting to look at the denominator of the fraction how fast they grew last year and what the base is that they're growing off of so really just coming up across more difficult comparisons as for uh, their supply chain never bet against amazon they have their own supply chain they're the only one who does they can deliver all the way to your home everyone else is counting on ups and fedex who've already said they're going to have troubles this holiday season so, I th meanwhile, demand is tremendous. The reason we have a supply chain problem, uh, you know, is because exports from China are up 30 percent. Imports through the port in L.A. are up 22 percent. So you've got a backlog because they can't quite come in as fast as it's being shipped out. But somehow retail sales over a two-year stack are still up 20 percent on a consistent basis, which is absolutely unheard of. So the economy is supercharged. You know, demand is very, very high. All the demand will not be met, but it's still going to be a spectacular Christmas by any measure. Is there a benefit if, uh, especially you mentioned, a lot of companies have to be uh, delivered with FedEx, UPS, that sort of thing. Uh, is there an advantage here at all for bricks and mortar, especially if people really want gifts and they really want them fast? There sure will be this year because as you get to December, I, th I think you're going to see increasingly that uh, the Internet companies are not going to be able to make promises that you can order, you know, the day before Christmas like they've done in years past and still get it, that kind of thing. Not going to be able to do that. Not not with the kind of shortages that we see in supply chain, the difficulties of FedEx and UPS delivering. Moreover, keep in mind the bricks and mortar, a lot of it was shut down or pretty restricted last holiday in California and throughout the, the Northeast where there are a lot of restrictions in place as COVID spiked during the winter. So if that does not happen again, bricks and mortar will be wide open this year, ready to shop. You won't find everything you want. There will be shortages, but you're not going to get a lump of coal either. There's plenty to buy. And so people are going to come into the stores and buy because they know they can take it home and get it there in time, whereas you order through the Internet that last week, there's no assurances in this environment. So big opportunity for bricks and mortar to capture some of the share they lost last year. Yeah, you touched on what, what was one of my questions, and that is, okay, bricks and mortar, more people are maybe going to be going in there, but they're having the supply chain issues too, so they may not have as much on the racks as they'd like to. 
Look, they won't have everything, but I wouldn't uh, lose any sleep over the ability of Walmart or Target or Costco to stock the shelves. They're going to have most of what you expect to find there. Look, if you want a specific hot toy for your child, buy it now. But that doesn't mean there won't be plenty of toys to buy as you get all the way to Christmas. I don't expect to see bare shelves. Nothing like that. That's an exaggeration. Will sections be out of stock? Of course. Will the hottest products be out of stock? You know, some of them are already. But it doesn't mean there will be plenty to buy for Christmas. And I expect consumers overjoyed by the big reopening here to come out in droves. And it's going to be a spectacular Christmas by any measure. That's what's going to happen. Thanks so much, Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The announcement that Facebook is rebranding itself as Meta is impacting stocks and cryptocurrencies in multiple ways. Facebook stock today up right about two and a quarter percent. Let's see what's going on. Michael Palumbo is here, founder of MJP Capital. Uh, Michael, I, I find it a little funny. You had a little bit of a surge here in this Canadian company when Facebook announced the change. Yeah, I'm assuming you're you're talking about Meta Materials, which uh, just because it has the name Meta in it, it rose uh, about 20 percent on the news that Facebook is changing its name to Meta, and uh, it shows you that uh, the efficient market hypothesis doesn't always hold, at least not in the short term. You have things like that happen. The same thing happened with Zoom, uh, Zoom Technologies, which had a ticker of Z-O-O-M, and everybody started, well, not everybody, but the people that are unsophisticated started buying it, thinking they were buying the Zoom uh, uh, teleconference company, and um, the stock soared for a while, and then they actually had to change the name of, of Zoom Technology just so people would stop mistaking it. So we have the same thing happening here in Meta Materials, although not quite as, as big of a move, and I think maybe hopefully investors are starting to learn from past mistakes that this is uh, this is a road to ruins. Yeah, be careful. Uh, what, what should an investor think of this change, this rebrand? Uh, does that have any impact on how an investor looks at the stock? Well, it just shows again that Zuckerberg is, is trying to stay ahead of the curve. You look at what he's done in the past, his purchase of Instagram for a billion dollars. Instagram on its own right now would probably be worth well over a hundred billion dollars and he bought it for a billion before people realized what its true value really was. So here's another instance that, that Zuckerberg is trying to get out ahead of the curve because the metaverse is is legitimate. It's real. It's coming. I don't think he's early this time like he was with Instagram. I think he's, he's if anything, a little late. But he realizes that Facebook as a standalone entity is not going to survive if it doesn't embrace what's coming, which is virtual reality and the metaverse. And that's what he's doing. And, and it's a brilliant move. Will it be in time? We'll find out. Generally, a guy like like him, he'll nail it and he'll he'll get out ahead of, of others. But this is a move, not of desperation, but certainly of, of knowing that Facebook as it is right now will not be good enough for users five to ten years from now. Yeah, it's an evolution for sure. It's what you have to do to stay on top. Thank you. That's Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital. Art Hogan is here, chief market strategist at National Securities. Art, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? You know, interesting week. Uh, we've only had one real down day this week, and that just happened to be 
Wednesday, and, and, and the markets seem to be um, reacting pretty positively to earnings, even when companies have to talk about supply disruptions and, and uh, logistical issues and difficulty finding labor. And I think the reason for that is investors seem to be focusing on the explosion in aggregate demand, which is outstripping aggregate supply. A couple of examples of that happened last night with both Apple and Amazon, where they just can't get enough of the things that people want desperately. And that just means, I think, demand gets pushed into 2022, right? So demand typically for these types of things doesn't get destroyed it gets delayed and i think investors are looking for better things in the fourth quarter and certainly into the first half of next year so with that the uh the response to earnings this week has been pretty positive on top of that we've had some pretty good economic data surprisingly good data across the board this week which largely gets ignored during earnings season but certainly isn't hurting the market at all when it comes to uh, you, you mentioning uh, you know Apple for example, uh, people if they want an iPhone they still want an iPhone right? It, it's not like all of a sudden they say, well, forget it, we're just going to go into the Droid universe and, and switch it. <laughs> that's such a good point, Cisco, and that's exactly what we mean. For anything that that is something that's really craved or demanded, you can't get it right away. You're still getting it. It's just a function of when you're when you're able to get it. And, and I think that that's true of a lot of the things that are seeing some of the um, disruptions in supply. For example, automobiles, right? We don't have enough semiconductors to make those, but the waiting lines for some of the new and exciting products coming out of uh, the, the U.S. automakers is outstanding. So I think that once they get production up and going, they're going to have a great 22. I think that's true across a lot of sectors, both in consumer discretionary, certainly in durable goods. So I think this is one of those times where the supply issues just elongates the economic recovery well into next year. Is there a chance with Amazon, with their supply chain issues, that people who, who want whatever the products are will go to bricks and mortar or go to other online retailers that, that they won't necessarily wait? Or are we in a situation where if Amazon can't get it, no one can get it? Yeah, I think it's more the latter, Cisco, right? So I think Amazon, the behemoth and online uh, consumer discretionary spend is, is, you know, if they're having trouble getting things, I think everyone with an omni-channel presence, whether it's brick and mortar or that, you know, that online presence is going to have this similar difficulties. But, you know, the U.S. consumer is pretty creative, and I think they're going to try to find the things that they need wherever they might be able to get them. The other thing about the Amazon report, which is interesting, if you look away from just the consumer discretionary piece of their business, this is the first time the Amazon Web Services and their other businesses had larger revenues than their basic business that we all know, and, and, and that's Amazon.com and ordering things online. In general, how you feeling about earnings season? About halfway through, how you thinking about it? Well, halfway through, about 80% of companies have beat on the earnings lines, about 75% have beat on the revenue line. Guidance has been you know, sort of hit or miss, not surprisingly, with companies not knowing when some of these log jams are going to clear up and smooth out. But uh, I would say that uh, we came in thinking this uh, earnings reporting season was going to be about a C, and I think it's more like a B plus, and I think that's good enough for investors right now. Well, yeah, and what's your advice overall for investors given continued uncertainty on inflation and uh, even tax policy? What's your advice? Well, I'll tell you right now, I think the best thing to do to navigate this market for the rest of this year and, and through all of next year is to be diversified. You want to have exposure to both growth and economically sensitive cyclicals. So growth is obviously those, those mega cap companies that we know and love. And uh, you want to have that balanced with exposure to things like energy and things like financial that are really driven by economic activity. And if you keep that balance throughout your year, I think you're going to outperform this market because it's never going to be either or. It's never going to be just growth 
or just cyclicality. And I think that having a balanced approach to this is the best way for investors to look at uh, for their portfolios. Yeah, you mentioned balance. It, it's something that it's maybe important to repeat because you, you have a lot of investors who they, they see some crypto that's up, you know, 20,000% overnight or something. And, and that's where they want to jump in, understandably. And yet being balanced seems like the wise course in the long run. Cisco, that's such a great point. Now, there is room for that kind of speculative investing, but that should never be more than 5% of your overall portfolio. So if you want to dabble in things that are sort of off the board and interesting to you, whether it's in EVs or cryptocurrencies or the blockchain somehow, and I think more access to that will come over the course of the year if there's some ETFs that get approved that actually have the asset behind them then I would say that's fine, but you know, it shouldn't be a majority, it should be a minority, like a 5% or less percentage. That would be the same thing we'd say about precious metals or any of the alternatives. I think the, the, your, your overall long-term portfolio should have stocks in it, and those stocks should be balanced between both growth and economically sensitive cyclicals. Thanks so much for all the advice and insight. Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist at National Securities in New York. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Making sense of your dollars. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday. This afternoon, we're learning about a business built around home organization. We welcome Jessica Lippman, founder and CEO of The Organized Mama. Jessica, good to have you joining us. Uh, for people who are not familiar with The Organized Mama, kind of give us a thumbnail sketch of what you do. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Well, The Organized Mama is a business that focuses around teaching families how to organize because when you're organized, you have more patience, you're calm, and you're not as uh, chaotic as you would be without any organization in your life. So what made you think uh, th th there's a, a hole here that I can fill as an entrepreneur? There, there's people who need help with this. So... When, a few years ago, I had friends asking me how to organize their houses like mine, and that's when I saw the need. And you saw that people, maybe they want to be organized, they just can't figure it out on their own? Exactly. Or a lot of people were taught how to organize for themselves, but not for multiple people living in a space like a house. Yeah, where all of a sudden you have two, three, four kids and exactly. everything changes. Uh, exactly. So, so what, what do you do? I mean, do people come to you and then you go to their house? Do they show you pictures? Do you have advisors that work with people? Is it general advice? Help us to understand that. Yeah, so most of it is covered all digitally, especially since 2020 was just a crazy year. So I help 
people do virtual organizing. So they will send me uh, pictures. We'll discuss plans to create order in their homes. I also have courses and workbooks to kind of help people that feel like they're more organized, but they want, you know, kind of that extra support or accountability. What kind of feedback do you get from people once they move from disorganization to organization in their home? Just everyone has said that they just feel like life is just easier when things are organized, which sounds so crazy, but, you know, it happens. So as a business person, I mean, we're talking to entrepreneurs here. What's your advice? Because there's lots of people who who maybe have skills like this where they could put them to use, and, and yet they're just not exactly sure how. What are some lessons you've learned? Ooh, lots of lessons. The biggest one I think that I'll share is on really focusing on what you're good at and finding other people to teach you things that you might still want to learn. I mean, being an entrepreneur, you have so many different hats you have to wear. So focusing in on what you're good at and finding others that can support you in the areas that you're not so good at. And it sounds like you, you know, you, you did a little talking to people just around you in order to see the need. Yeah. Sometimes is it that simple? I think so. I think if you talk to friends and family and they're like, this is a great idea, then maybe test it out with, you know, people that might not be close to you. You might want to, you know, ask, like do like a poll on social media with like social media friends because they're not your immediate friends just to see if that would work if your business idea would be something that they'd be interested in. Yeah, test it out though. Don't just go full bore because you may learn some lessons in the testing phase. Yes, I totally agree with that. Thanks so much. Really good to meet you and find out a little bit about what you do. Jessica Littman, founder and CEO of The Organized Mama. That's Entrepreneur Friday. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Starbucks CEO Kevin Johnson defending the coffee chain's plans to raise wages for its baristas. The stock down about eight points today. Let's find out what's going on. Nick Rach is here, CEO of the Earnings Scout based in Cleveland. You find him online at earningsscout.com. Nick, what's going on here? You got a CEO defending what it pays. Right. Well, the one thing on Wall Street, uh, to get workers back to Starbucks, we're, we're here in Ohio. Uh, they're closing stores early because of worker shortages. So uh, demand is really strong at Starbucks and many other places, but they can't meet the demand. So a way to get people back is higher pay. Uh, and the higher pay, what that does is erode the margins, future margins, if uh, Starbucks can't pass on the cost. So Wall Street's looking at this and going, maybe future margins are going to be less than uh, um we setting the stock price lower today because of it. Now, you have a situation with Starbucks. They, they were kind of at the forefront of providing higher wages and, and benefits. I'm thinking things like health insurance for their workers. So, so Starbucks, they, they've always been doing that, but now they're under pressure to do some more of it. Right. Well, now we're talking by mid-2022, Starbucks is talking the average wage will be $17 an hour with some places with some baristas making $23 an hour. Um, that's that's much higher than what uh, anyone was anticipating a year ago. Uh, and once that gets set, then the Fed's going to have a problem with uh, wage inflation being a real problem and probably the uh, inflation being a transitory theme by the Fed will, will be no more. We'll have persistently high prices. You mentioned the fact that many of the stores are either not open or they're not open the same number of hours. Uh, it seems like that's going to continue to put pressure on earnings. Yeah, it's something I've never seen in the course of my near 30-year career. Um, 
when I see store close, it's because there's no demand. This is so unique that there's demand is so strong and there's not enough workers. They have to close the store. So uh, it should be a fixable problem. One way to do it is the higher wages. But again, this is something like none of us have really seen. Usually when stores close early, it's because there's no business. That's not the case with Starbucks. Demand has uh, never been stronger. Starbucks, really, over the years, have they've just had a lot of growth in China, and yet there's been some challenges for Starbucks in China recently. Right. In China in general, a lot of the emerging world has uh, had some issues. Uh, and, and you see that just whether it's the COVID variant, how it's been handled, uh, or business regulations in uh, overseas. But, yes, that was a growth engine for Starbucks. It still will be a growth engine uh, as uh things hopefully start to get back to normal um but we're we're still not uh, back to 2019 normal yet by any means so as investors think about starbucks i mean it's really become such an iconic brand what what's your advice to them about the stock you know i still think it's a long-term good holding investments um what we got to find is a way to deal with getting workers back to meet the demand um, it should be a fixable problem. Uh, these are probably still some unintended consequences you had from all the monetary and fiscal stimulus that's been out there. But we need to find a way to get people back to work at, at reasonable wages where they can make a good living. But it's not going to crimp the margins for Starbucks. Thanks so much for all the advice. Nick Rage, he is CEO of the Earnings Scout. You find him online at EarningsScout.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.